Oh yeah, we're going to make a start, so why don't you grab a seat, find one, settle in. The talk's about two hours tonight, so settle in, that's a joke. Um, my name is Susie, it's good to see you all here this evening. We're going to start off tonight with um, a little bit of an opinion poll, just um, so I can sort of gauge the talk a bit better and know a little bit more about you. So the question is, are you a rule breaker or a rule keeper? So just to um, help us with this, I'll give you a little bit of an example. So say you're, um, uh, what's the thing, building some IKEA furniture. Or um, perhaps you, you, you're baking a cake and you've got like a recipe. Or you're trying to get to Bogner Regis or something and you've got a set of directions. What are you going to do? Do you stick to the rules completely? You wouldn't even dare going off piece because that would be a disaster. That's the rule keepers. Or do you see the rules as a little bit more of, I guess, kind of a guideline to which you can in add your own interpretation? That's the rule breakers. So which one are you most of the time? So this is the interactive bit. So stick your hand up if you would classify yourself as a rule keeper. Rule keeper. OK. That's interesting. Put your hands down. And how about the rule breakers? Oh, OK. <laughs> Wow, we've got a naughty audience this evening. So keep that question in mind as we go through this talk. Um, I'm going to start off telling you a story. If you don't know, I oversee Trent Youth. And um, we just got back with the youth team from a hardcore camping experience at Soul Survivor, which is, um, is a festival where thousands of young people come together to worship God, have a load of fun, and we just love it. But over the past few years, Trent Youth has got a little bit of a reputation of being, um, of being a little bit of a rule breaker youth group when it comes to the curfew and the bedtimes. Those guys over there know because they've been there. And um, over the last five or so years, we've managed to get ourselves into a little bit of hot water um, for our late night parties and games. You know, one of those problems you face when you're camping, isn't it? You, you're perhaps in your tent and you've sort of got your, got your canvas up. And, and you forget that you're not actually in a building. So everything that goes on in your tent, everyone else around can also hear. And when you've got 50 people in a marquee, plus constant bass, it makes quite a lot of noise. And so what for us and for Trent Youth was innocent late night fun, a great time for us to hang out with our young people. For our neighbors, it was a total nightmare. They didn't catch the same vision. They weren't as fun as us. They were a little bit grumpy, and we had to avoid them in the morning. But anyway, this year, for a lot of different reasons, not because we're banned, we, we weren't banned, but we, had to, we decided to go to um, a different week. So we went to a different site on a different week. And we were like, you know what? This is an amazing opportunity to wipe that sl slate clean. A fresh start, a new reputation, an opportunity for us to be obedient to the rules. So we went for it. You know, Soul Survivor has a, um, a noise curfew of 12 a.m., and then it has like a silence curfew of 1 a.m. And so on the first night, we just thought, well, if the, noise, if the noisy curfew is at 12, let's just go big at 5 to 12. So at 5 to 12, we, were, we introduced what is now called the five-minute rave, which, um, which basically consisted of like cranking the music up as loud as it would go, and then just everyone going crazy for five minutes before we switched all the music off, and then we were a lot quieter. 
So as you can imagine, there's loads of us. We're attracting quite a lot of attention um, because we're the only ones on the site with um, electricity, I think, and, and with the sound system. And so as, <laughs> as, uh, as people heard it, like people started coming and coming. And then on the last night, um, we, we literally had people just running across the campsite to want to get into the five-minute rave. It was mentioned in seminars. Everyone was talking about it. Um, I've got a little, a little video for you. So it's just 30 seconds. Great video, isn't it? And um, we had such a lot of fun. And you know what? Being obedient to that curfew, I know it sounds funny, but it was actually for us as a team, it was the best Soul Survivor experience we've had in years because we had zero complaints. The village hosts, that's the people who like, oversee um, everyone on the little site, they told us that we had the best bedtime routine on the whole site, to which I was like, yes, we finally made it. And I said, no one ever likes us, so we're really happy about that. But our neighbours loved it, Trent Youth loved it. So the lesson that the youth team have learned has taken a few years, but it's excellent to be obedient. It's excellent to be obedient. That's the thing that God has been speaking to me about over the last few months, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight, if that's all right. I don't know about you, how you feel about that word obedience. For me, um, I'm a little bit, I guess, of a rule breaker. Obedience probably isn't my favorite words. It makes me feel a little bit nervous. You know, I'm the kind of person who, if I see a no-entry sign, it entices me to want to go through it. Or when I was younger, my parents would say, edge a little bit closer away from the edge if there's water or a cliff or something, and I just want to go a little bit closer to the edge. The wall, the wall breakers, you, you know what I'm going on about. The wall keepers, you're judging me, aren't you? <laughs> but obedience can be a bit of a funny word, you know, whether we see ourselves as a rule keeper or a rule breaker, it can uh, conjure up perhaps feelings of rebellion or self-righteousness. And I'm guessing for many of us, it's connected with all sorts of experiences and feelings. It's rarely seen this word obedience as a positive thing in our minds and in our society. And maybe that's because the people in our society who ask for our obedience Sometimes they fail us. Sometimes it's difficult to trust them. But the con in the context of what this book, the Bible, is going on about, obedience is such a positive thing because the person who's asking for our obedience is God. The one who created us, who designed us, who loves us. The one who is before everything and holds everything together and ultimately is totally trustworthy. The Bible clearly says that it's excellent to be obedient. That's a phrase I hope you'll go home with tonight. It's excellent to be obedient. So whatever your preconceptions are of that word, let's try and pop them aside as we look afresh at what God has to say about obedience. And whether you're here tonight, you've been following Jesus for, for decades, maybe you just started, or maybe you're here even tonight with questions about him. My prayer is that we'd all leave here inspired to continue to walk in obedience with him.
So we're going to start, if you've got a Bible, why don't you get it out? You're going to start in Deuteronomy 5, verse 32, if you've got a Bible. And um, I love this book of Deuteronomy. It's like it's the fifth book in the Bible. And I see it, if I was writing a commentary on it, I see it as a little bit of a summary of the first four books. So earlier in the passage we're about to read, uh, God has given the Ten Commandments to Moses. And then Moses is, is saying this to the people. He's saying this, so uh, 5 verse 32. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you possess. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you might live and prosper and prolong your days. You know, I absolutely love that passage because here it is, it's God, he's establishing his kingdom. He's saying to the Israelites, that's the people of Israel, he's saying, here it is, laying it out, here is the best way to live. He's saying things like, you know, love me first, love God first. Don't kill people, don't lie or steal. And um, this wasn't because God was like, oh, I know how to ruin their fun or I want them to have a terrible life. It was because God actually wanted them to have life in fullness. And the word obedience here, this word walk in obedience, is such a positive thing because in God's eyes, it's the best thing. And when the Bible talks about relationship with God, it talks about us having this amazing, incredible life. Jesus says himself in John John 10, verse 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, I want that life. I want to have like a greater sense of intimacy with God. And it comes through walking in obedience with him. But it's a challenge, isn't it? You know, for many of us, even though we know obedience is the thing that will bring us life, it's difficult sometimes to be obedient. It's not always easy to put God first. It certainly isn't always easy to put people first. And that's just the nice ones. What about the annoying ones? Like, that's really hard. You know, sometimes to be obedient, it feels like the bar is just so high and we're constantly, constantly, over and over again, failing, getting it wrong, giving in to our own desires. So how do we do it? How do we become more and more like Jesus so that we might become more and more like him? Well, I think this idea of walking with God that we find in the Bible is really helpful. So obedience is a theme that runs throughout the Bible, as is, and it goes hand in hand with this idea of walking that we found in Deuteronomy. Remember that verse says, walk in obedience to all the Lord your God has commanded. And in the Old Testament we hear, um, the Bible talks about people like Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac about these guys, and it says they walked faithfully with God. That's in the Old Testament, that's the first chunk of the Bible. And if you flip into the New Testament, what we'll find is this word walking is just all over the place. In fact, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, in his letters, he uses this word walking 17 times. And it's as we walk with Jesus that we see transformation. And um, I've got really into this word walking this week, and um, I asked my friend Ollie, just over there, to, he's a theologian, so I feel like that's very helpful, and he, he gave me some, some help with this, he helped me learn a new word, 
And it's really interesting because in the Old Testament, we see this word walk over and over again. But when we see that word walk in the Old Testament, what it means is living. So it's a Hebrew idea that living our faith out, being obedient to God, is walking with God. And when we look at this word walk in the New Testament, we see this Greek word, which is peripateo. I think that's how you pronounce it. That's the new word I've learned this week, peripateo. And it means the same thing. It means living. It means living out our faith. Being obedient is walking with God. So we're going to take a bit of a look at a passage in Colossians. So if you're in Deuteronomy, just flip over to Colossians. That's one of Paul's letters. So Colossians 2, verse 6 says this. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in, thankful, in thanksgiving. So that's just one of the many passages in Paul's letters where he's going on about this word walking, where he's urging the church to walk. And I've used the ESV translation there because it actually uses the phrase, so walk in him. And if you're looking at your Bible, you, you, maybe you've got an NIV or something, that's what mine is, you might see that that word walk is replaced with the word live. And that's because of that Greek word I was going on about just a minute ago, peripateo. It's the same word for both walk and live. They're, in this context, they're interchangeable. So this idea of walking your faith out is not something um, that I just thought would be a great idea. It's what the Bible, when it's talking about us living our faith out, it's talking about us walking obediently in him. So um, if we're trying to answer that question, how do we walk in obedience with God? How does that passage help us? Um, so I guess it tells us to walk. Um, one of my best mates, Jen, got back from taking some teenagers up Mount Kilimanjaro this week. We've got a picture for you. That's a massive mountain in Tanzania. I'm told it's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. I hope that's correct. But I mean, talk about hardcore. It took those guys eight days to get up the top of that, and they took the giraffe. No, they didn't take the giraffe with them. But they needed a lot of physical and mental strength to get to the top. You know, I thought that um, Soul Survival was hardcore for five days camping in my caravan, but that is what you call hardcore. And I don't know what you see your relationship with God like, but that's what we're talking about, a crazy adventure of obedience. We're not talking about one of those lame Sunday afternoon strolls everyone goes on, like round the park or something. We're talking about an incredible adventure with God, step by step, as he transforms us into his likeness. So if you imagine it here, imagine we're on a journey, so for, for now, if you imagine all yourself, everybody sort of in my shoes, and think, let's think about your journey. You know, how long have you been following Jesus? Maybe for some of you, it's decades, as I said. Maybe for some of you, it's a little bit of time. Maybe you've just got questions about Jesus. But, and, but when you think of it like this, what we're trying to do is we're trying to become more like Jesus. That's the thing. The Bible is urging us to be transformed into his likeness. So in a sense, if we think the ultimate sort of vision of being transformed into his likeness is over there by the cafe, so over by those doors, and you're standing here right now. And what that passage in Colossians is saying is that if we're here and we're followers of Jesus, then we're rooted in him. We're built up in him. We find strength in him. 
And it leads us to this place of overflowing with thankfulness for all that Jesus has done for us. You know, we're standing here on the journey knowing that Jesus has saved us, that he loves us, that he's forgiven us, that he's with us always. Christ in us, the power of God, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's the place that we start the journey, that we're on the journey from. So if we're here, we're on the journey, we're called in obedience to walk step after step after step. You know, it's like left foot and right foot and left foot and right foot. And then we look back and we're like, oh my goodness, look what's happened. I've become a little bit more like Jesus. That's what that passage is going on about. That's what it looks like to walk in obedience. So we're going to have a look at what we can learn from walking. And the first observation I've made about walking is that walking is slow. You know, it's, I know it's a little bit of a silly point, isn't it? But unless you're like a power walker or something, like, or you, it's very, very slow. If you compare it to something like running or driving or pole vaulting, I never tried that, but that's a lot faster, isn't it, than walking. But what I love about walking is it's step by step. It's left foot, it's right foot, and often when you want to walk, you feel a little bit like you're just plodding along. You're making little steps, little steps, one after the other. It can be quite a slow process. And life can sometimes feel like that, can't it? Sometimes it feels like we're just plodding along. I mean, of course, like, God does change us and transform us sometimes instantly, but more often than not, we see it over time as we take baby steps of obedience day after day left foot right foot left foot right foot sometimes it's difficult to recognize sometimes we see the progress over the time you know as we make little choices to be obedient maybe it's a decision to be kind to someone at work maybe as we make a decision to forgive the family member who's driving us mad Maybe it's as we decide to not exaggerate all the time and tell the truth. You know, maybe it's just as we start to become more generous. But as we make these steps, over time we look back and we start to see a change. You know, you don't just simply jump into intimacy with God. Jumping here is not the answer. You know, the Bible doesn't say Noah and Abraham and Isaac jumped with God. It says they walked faithfully with God. Um, I've got two nieces who I absolutely love. They live down in Cambridge. And um, you know what? I've never seen them grow whilst I've sat there staring at them. Like, look, you know, we're having dinner or making drawing or something. I've never once seen them grow in that moment. But you know, every time I go down to Cambridge or they come up here to visit me, the first thing I'm like, oh my goodness, you've grown so much. And I don't say it because that's what my grandma used to say to me, so I don't, I don't do that. But, but they always, always grow over time. Change and transformation happens over time. If we make a decision today, we aren't necessarily going to notice tomorrow morning. But in the long run, if we make step by step, left foot and right foot, in the long run, we will notice the transformation so if you're here tonight and, you know, you want to take more steps in obedience because you know that the Bible says it's excellent to be obedient, what is, what is it for you, the thing that God tonight, right now, is challenging you about? And I think the thing about obedience is that actually it's a little bit awkward sometimes because we actually sometimes know the areas of our lives 
that needs to change? What is it for you? Maybe it's your relationship with God. Maybe it's a relationship with someone else or a certain attitude or a behavior pattern. What steps can you make tonight? And take encouragement that, you know, walking is slow. The change often happens over time. But it's those little steps of obedience day after day that will cause the transformation. So walking is slow. The second thing about walking is that sometimes, if you're anything like me, when you're walking along, you stack it and you fall over. Um, As part of my role here, I oversee um, DTI, which is the National Vineyard Youth Festival. And it happens every year in May. And um, it's just amazing. I think we've got a selfie, actually, of of it. Oh, oh, yeah, there we go. So that's the selfie. That's what DTI looks like. So this year, by far, there was... It was the biggest number of people there. There were 750 people there. That's enough. That's it. 750 people there. And um, I've got to admit, like, I was a little bit nervous just about how it was going to go. I was really excited for all that God was going to do, but I was a little bit nervous at the same time. And um, so we're there on the opening night of DTI 2015. I was hosting the meeting with Ben, who was just on that photo. And um, the kids were just pumped. They were, everyone was going for it. We had this, like, crazy sort of music and uh, everyone's dancing. This level of expectation in the room was just like, it's amazing. And so we stood on the edge of the stage, just imagine sort of down there or something, and um, the countdown starts, and basically by the end, the aim is that we'll be on the stage, and we'll be like, ta-da, here we are, like, start hosting. Anyway, so the countdown starts, and it's like 10, 9, 8, 7, blah, blah, blah. Gets down to whatever number it was. Me and Ben start walking towards the stage, and basically, as I stepped onto the stage, I absolutely stacked it. So we're talking like, not like a little bit of a fall, a full-on fall, and the lights came on, and instead of, um, you know, us being like, welcome to DTI, I was just on the floor, and um, sat on the floor on the stage, and Ben was just looking at me thinking, did you just die or something? But um, it was hideous, and I don't know what was worse, the humiliation and the embarrassment, or the fact of how much it hurt. I don't know. Every part of me wished that the ground would swallow me up and I could just crawl quietly back into my caravan and just cry my eyes out. But there wasn't really another option because this was the start of DTI. I had to get up and so I just, I I clambered up, I don't know how, it was all a bit of a blur. And um, I took the microphone away from my mouth and I said to Ben, I'm in quite a lot of pain but let's just roll, let's just carry on. And so somehow we managed to get through hosting the meeting that night. And don't worry, you know, if you're feeling really sorry for me, it's okay, there's no permanent damage, I think it's going to be all right. But what a hideous situation. But it happens, doesn't it? You know, sometimes we're walking along and we fall over. I'm scared of steps ever since, but, (laughs) and for good reason. But the Bible says it's excellent to be obedient. We're called to walk the journey out. But there's times when we mess up. There's times when we forget that passage. We forget that we're rooted and built up in him, that he's the one from which we find strength. There's times when we're not overflowing with thankfulness for all that he's done for us. There's times where we go back into our old habits, our old attitudes, where we fall over and mess it up. And the thing is about those times is, it's actually tempting to stay on the floor. You know, for me that night, I was like, I probably, I'm going to stay here. It was just so awful. But the thing I've thought about walking this week, and this is, if you're taking notes, a very deep point. It sounds silly, but whilst you're on the floor, you cannot walk whilst you're sat on the floor. 
because you're not going anywhere. You can't walk when you're standing still. And so to walk in obedience, we cannot just give up. We've got to keep going. We have to, in God's power, let him pick us up. Because walking in obedience means that when we mess up, let's get up. Knowing that we're walking with a God who longs to transform us and he's encouraging us to keep going. You know, if you've read the Bible, if you've read any of it, you'll find a bunch of people in there who mess up time after time after time. They make bad decisions and they do stuff, they decide to be disobedient. But the heroes of the faith, they're the ones who get up and got up time and time again. They're the guys who did not and refused to let their past define their future. There was um, a beautiful moment at Soul Survivor just a couple of weeks back when the guy, whoever was on the stage, did a call for ministry. And basically what they said, you know, if there's anyone here, something along these lines anyway, anyone here who feels like they've messed up, either you've been walking with the Lord and you've stopped, or you're doing something you just feel like the Lord wouldn't want, then why don't you just come to the front right now? And in my mind, I was like, that is a big call. That's like, that's like really vulnerable. There's like 6,000 people here. To ask people who've like basically messed it up to come forward is, is, is taking a risk. But basically what happened was, literally hundreds of young people started walking from every aisle right down to the front. And it was an incredible, peaceful, life-changing moment as they met the presence of God, as they allowed him to forgive them and restore them. And I was reminded of that psalm where, where it says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And as those young people came up, that's the God who they met. So if you're here tonight and you're feeling a little bit like you're on the floor, maybe you've fallen over, maybe it's a failed habit or an attitude or something, or you feel like you've just not been making decisions in line with what the Lord would want, then today is an amazing opportunity like every day to come before the living God and let him heal you and forgive you and restore you. So sometimes we fall over. The, the other thing I wanna say is that walking in obedience is costly. You know, when you go, when you start on a walk, you don't necessarily know what you're gonna find, do you? You know, you don't necessarily always know the way. Sometimes we fall over, sometimes like a snake runs out or, or a dog comes along, you know, all these things, you just don't know what's gonna happen. Sometimes we get blisters on our feet. Any adventure comes at a cost. Being obedient to God, laying down our lives for him comes at a cost. Love comes at a cost. Think about God's ultimate expression of love, the cross. You know, he gave everything. Obedience comes at a cost, and Jesus, he was obedient In his life, he was obedient to the Father, and he was in his death as well. The ultimate model of obedience. Being obedient, you know, sometimes it costs us our time. Sometimes it costs us our money. It costs us sometimes with what other people might think about us. At times, it's inconvenient. You know, people might annoy us or hurt us or not appreciate our efforts. It's costly to walk in obedience. And I think I've mentioned before that I'm quite friendly with my neighbours, so I live in a terrace house, I've got neighbours either side of me, and um, the other month it was my birthday, and I had a barbecue, and I invited um, some, some friends around, and, um, and also I invited the neighbours around. And it was all going really well, the sausages were like sizzling away, until one of my neighbours started talking about how 
she needed someone to look after her cats for three weeks. Um, now, just to put this story in context, I um, in context, I really, really don't like cats. So I don't like um, the thing they do where you're standing there and they walk in and out your legs like it's too close. And I don't like the thing where they put your, their claws on your, on your legs and then <coughs> like that. I just don't like them. I really don't like them. And I think that, to be honest, we don't need to live with animals in our houses. So sorry if you're, <laughs> sorry if you're a cat lover, but sorry. It's gone too far. Okay. Um, anyway, so I predicted what was going to happen. So at this point, I was like, anyone want a drink? So I went inside and stayed inside till when I thought it was safe to come back out. I came back out, and to my horror... The other neighbor, not the cat one, had said, oh, don't worry, Susie and I will look after them for the next three weeks. And I was just like, you are joking. I was like, I did not agree to this. And um, anyway, a few weeks passed by. Thankfully, I was on holiday for some of it. And um, the other neighbor did do the majority of the work, just to put it out there. But it was a total nightmare. Like, we had to go in twice a day. One of the cats got ill. We had to call a vet. Then the vet came around. The cat had jumped out the window, so the vet couldn't see the cat. Then another day, one of them went missing for 24 hours. I thought it was dead. We found it. It wasn't. Like, it, was just, it was just a nightmare. In fact, I hated everything about it. And the first day, I came into work, and I was, I was in such a bad mood. I was late because one was eating its dinner or something. And, and I was just like, oh, man, this stupid, these cats. And like, it, it's three weeks and blah, blah, blah. Sorry if you're a cat lover, I know there's lots of cat lovers out there. But later that day, I was, or someone challenged me, I can't remember exactly what happened, I was reminded of Jesus' greatest commandment, and this is where it caused me a bit of a problem, because what happens is they say, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies to them, he says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second, that's the greatest commandment, and the second one is like this is to love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So here I was, presented with an opportunity to serve my actual neighbor. I was like, you can't twist the Bible on that. It's quite clear. And I was just like, this is a total nightmare. And so I was just like, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to choose to walk in obedience with this situation. And to make things worse, the other neighbor said to me, she said, I think you'll find strength from your God to help you with this moment. And I was just like, <laughs> now, do you know what I mean? I was just like, being a Christian sometimes comes at a cost. You can't hide, even in these moments. And I'd love to tell you that I had a total transformation with it. But like what I was saying earlier, transformation can be slow. Um, but I decided to make a choice. I decided to choose to serve her, to go left foot and right foot and left foot. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just go in today. I'll, I'll, I'll clean out the bowls. I'll um, clean up their sick. That did happen. I'll clean out the litter tray, left foot, right foot. I'll put the um, stuff in the bin, her bin, not my bin, not too much transformation. <laughs> but I know that it is a trivial story. It is a trivial story. And for those of you who are cat lovers, you're like horrified by my attitude. I'm, I'm sorry. But loving God and loving others, doing what the Lord has commanded us, walking in obedience is costly. And each step of obedience, no matter how small it is, is a step towards becoming more like Jesus. 
And so it leaves me with the question, you know, am I prepared to be obedient, whatever the cost? Are you prepared to be obedient, whatever the sacrifice? It's a challenge, isn't it? And I probably don't need to remind you that I don't have it all sorted clearly. But we're called to hold on to things lightly. To always to be in a position where if God said, would you give that thing up, that we would do it. Or if God said, would you take that thing on, that we would do it. We're called to continually walk in obedience. So what is God asking of you tonight? What areas of your life is he asking you to either pick up or lay down? And are you prepared to say yes to God, whatever the cost? And you know, sometimes I think it's easy to think that following Jesus is like a one-time decision, which in a sense it is. You know, we come towards Jesus, we say, God, would you be in charge of my life? Would you be my Lord and Savior? That's a decision. But in another sense, it's a daily decision to walk in obedience. Left foot, right foot. I choose to put you in charge right now. Left foot, right foot. I don't understand, God, what you're doing. But I choose to trust you. It feels like what you're asking of me just costs too much. But I want to be obedient. You know, most of our lives, Jesus is saying to us, will you give me like this little step right now, this little step of obedience? You know, maybe it's will you get up 20 minutes earlier and spend some time with him? You know, maybe it's someone cuts you up in traffic. Are you going to be gracious as you drive? That's probably one for me. Like, will you give thanks even when you're disappointed? Will you forgive someone who's upset you? There are, I guess, little steps of obedience. And sometimes the obedience feels a bit more like a stride. It feels like a bit of a bigger step. Will you choose to repent of an unhealthy behavior that's been going on for years? Will you choose to give up a relationship that's unhealthy? Will you move city if God asks? Would you move country if God asks? And I'm not saying God is asking us all to do that, but are we up for it if that is what he's asking us to do? Because it's different steps of obedience for all of us. We're all on our own unique journey with Jesus. And we need to be listening to him for what he's got for us. So what little steps or big steps is God asking of you? Today, perhaps this week, this month, maybe even this year? And if we jump back to that question we started with, you know, are you a rule breaker or a rule keeper? You know, wherever we land with that question, walking in obedience with God, left foot, right foot, becoming more like him, wanting to be transformed into his likeness, it's so much more than just a bunch of rules. It's about a relationship with the living God. Obedience in walking with the Lord is such an unbelievably positive thing. It's a thing that brings us life and transforms it. And we do it, left foot, right foot, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to stand and pray. So if you're up for standing, if you can, that'd be great. And Dave's going to come as well and help, I think. But just as we start to pray, why don't you, if you're up for it, close your eyes. I was really struck this week by... Uh, one of the Proverbs, and here it is in the message translation. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. 
Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one that will keep you on track. And so God, here we are right now. We, we open our hearts to listen to what you have to say to us.